access tonight. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Access. That's it. That's the tweet. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, welcome to another episode of Access tonight. Um, you know, this is a new series called Diversity in Animation. And we're looking at diversity leads, their impact, their legendary status, and all that. And, you know, with each example comes a different way of approach. Because for some reason, there's no—I mean, there's uh, there's never one right way to make a movie. But there's also a lot of people's interpretations of what they want to do with a film. So for those of you who don't really know uh, why I made this series—ooh, before I do that, if you're liking this series— Please let me know. My Insta is access tonight, which is A C C E S S T A N I E D D because someone still has a domain. They don't even use the account. And, you know, I just have to live with this for the rest of my natural born life. All right. So, I mostly made this series to talk about a common theme that myself and other film enthusiasts have noticed a movie with a black lead. Give it up. All right. <laughs> and then the trailer comes out and the title's released. We start getting a little skeptical. And then the trailer comes out. Soul crushed my soul. When I heard the music and saw the cityscape, I mean, I was already sold. Despite the unique approach to um, animating the humanoids, it was kind of weird to me. Then he's dead. Or he's a soul. A little blue and green soul. Hence my asking if animating POC characters, especially black characters like buying color printer ink. My point is, I thought there would be more, you know? Yes, the character is a person, but still, but now a pigeon or a frog, and I don't get it. No, don't get it twisted. Um, it's the premise and the conflict of the movie. But, you know, it's like, couldn't they do it with anyone else? Like... It's turning into a theme like police brutality is turning into a theme. Anyway, let's get into the meat of why we are here today. I was having a crappy week. <laughs> As usual, you know, this one, my voice was getting bad. And I'm having my foot problem. And then I started watching Princess and the Frog. And it was the highlight of my week, I'm telling you. <laughs> now, let's talk a little bit more about the movie, production, and all that good jazz. Not literally all that jazz. So, the Princess and the Frog was descended from heaven onto us on December 11th, 2009. Literally, it's 10 years old. Happy birthday, baby. The biggest thing to note is that this was the last hand-drawn 2D theatrical release from Disney and the last hand-drawn Disney princess and the first black Disney princess and one of the few voiced by an actual person of color. Now, we will get to that in a minute, too, um, on another day. So, no pressure there, you know. <laughs> Anika probably got the role. She was like, okay, <laughs> we're going to make this work somehow. Now, the movie was written and directed by Ron Clement, who's also worked on The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, and Moana, and John Musker, who also worked on those projects. Tiana's voiced by the wickedly talented Anika Noni Rose of Dreamgirls fame, and was actually a big deal in the process of Tiana, which we will get to soon. Bruno Campo and his sexy voice takes over the f- <laughs> takes over the frog being of Naveen of Maldonia. 
Jennifer Lewins, Terrence Howard, and Oprah also lend their voice to um, the cast. And I did not know the first times I like watched this movie. I was like, oh, their voices are nice. And then I was like, the dad sounds a little bit familiar. And I had like a weird flashback to Hustle and Flow. And I was like, ah, Terrence, nice. <laughs> of course. Um, then I remembered Wikipedia was a thing also. <laughs> so that kind of helped me out too. So let's talk about the movie setting. Now, this riveting tale is set in New Orleans in the 1920s following Tiana, a hardworking woman who didn't need no man until the plot told her to. <laughs> Working towards a dream, her and her father shared of owning a restaurant, you know? She has a rich friend named Lottie who's 40% of why y'all should see the movie. She's pretty hilarious. And she wants Tiana to make beignets for her party. The people she's supposed to pay the down payment for say, oh, wait, some white man beat you out of it, so don't pay... If you don't pay anything by Wednesday, better luck next time, Negro. And <laughs> she was about to fight. Um, and then, you know, she spilled her beignets, which is kind of the reason why she's at the party. Lottie was like, oh, my poor friend. Let me get, let me hook her up. And my girl, Lottie, hooked up Tiana with a hot girl summer dress, circa 1920s. Now, I'm saying 1920s because that's how I'm kind of interpreting the style as. It's a lot flapper. But I'm seeing other sources say 1912. I should probably double check from the actual Disney website, but I can't bother. I have a lot to do. <laughs> I have a lot on my plate anyway. Anyway, and then Naveen shows up and he's all like, you a princess, you know? And I got hella coin. And Tiana's like, you got money? And shoot, I'm a princess, you know? But of course it didn't work out. And we have to spend the next hour and some change with them as frogs, meeting wacky friends along the way and finding a way back home while falling in love and then some. It took all the characteristics of your typical Disney princess musical. So why do people still have a problem with it? Well, we are here to find out together. So let's get a little bit into production because... What I'm going to do is, like, because some people don't realize how much production equates to the actual reason why the story is what it is. Because, of course, the princess and the frog had a little bit of um, uh, a little issue in the beginning because a lot of people wanted this movie to be, you know, done right. And you can only do a movie so right. You know, you're trying to market to kids and you want to talk about racism, but not in their face because, they, you know, you don't want to, like, talk about cotton picking. And you don't want them to, like, you know, hate other characters and stuff like that. Well, cotton picking is a little bit further back. Anyway, you catch my drift. You know, you don't want to, with directors, they don't want to get too visual because they still want kids to come to the movie, but they still also need seats to be filled. And if the kids aren't coming, that means their families aren't coming. That means, so... Disney was trying to make a nice story, but without too much controversy. Now, this is what happened. Um, there was a new president and chief Disney animator um, for the Disney Animation Studios. And originally, Home on the Range was supposed to be the last um, traditionally animated film. Like, they were about to switch up to the Pixar method. And then the new head was like, hell no. We are going to continue hand-drawn animation for a little bit. Just a little bit. And so John Lasseter called in Ron Clements and John Musker because originally they were, like, on retirement. They were like, mm-mm. And then John Lasseter was like, hold up. We need you. <laughs> we need you to write the film <laughs> because we need someone to write a good film. And they're like, 
cool, lit. Now, of course, the story is based on the story of the Frog Princess by Edie Baker, where Princess Emma... <laughs> you see what, what's happening here? Um, Princess Emma kisses a prince, um, and his name is like Edric or something, um, only to become a frog herself. <clears throat> the Princess of the Frog returns um, to the musical film format, and, you know, it had been on pause for a little bit. Disney kind of, like, decided to end or take a little hiatus from animation after Home on the Range. So Disney literally didn't make a single movie-ish for, like, five years, which is big. Like, they made one or two things, but, like, an actual, like, theatrical Disney release, no. And so there was already a lot of added pressure on this. Um, so it was originally announced in July 2006, and, you know... Their shareholders meeting in 2007 drew a lot of African American um, African American media outlets um, because they were hearing a little bit about the story. And they're like, "That's kind of racist, racist." Which they forget who they're dealing with. They're dealing with Disney, who has Song of the South under their belt. So Disney doesn't already have a great track record when it comes to race relations. Oh, did we forget to mention Walt is a racist? Can't really feel bad for the dude and his crew. But, you know, John Lasseter and Ron Clements and John Musker are not their their um, descended boss. I think that's what you would say. So, it'd be like that. Anyway, so originally, um, Tiana's name was supposed to be Maddie. And here's what got people mad. They're like, it sounds a little too much like Mammy. Which, I, I don't want to call it a reach because I don't want to not invalidate anyone's feelings but i'm just like when i call a kid maddie i don't automatically think mammy you know but now the one that i understand is you know maddie was originally going to be a chambermaid or tiana's originally going to be a chambermaid instead of a waitress which for those who wanted it to be a little more realistic wouldn't it wouldn't have been nice for her to be a chambermaid you know if you're trying to go for the authenticity of the time, for her to be a chambermaid and, you know, go off of that. But hey, once again, what do I know? I'm probably seeing something and then people are like, no, 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 no. Here's why she shouldn't have been a chambermaid. Um, So I'm just going to brush over that. Now, people thought the frog princess was like um, thought by critics to be a slur on French people. Um, that's another big one. Um, they were scared about Naveen because originally her love interest was not going to be black and Naveen's not even technically black still. But they're like, oh, we don't want that interracial stuff on our screen. Which, I don't know. <laughs> like, you see what's happening here. The production started very messy already because people caught wind of what they were trying to do at first. And they were like, no. Here's why. And so, I mean, I'm glad that Disney Disney really put in the effort in this movie because they wanted it to be something special. Like, you can tell as... um, So, most of this I'm getting from sources pulled from Wikipedia. So, I went to them more and read more detail about, like, the situations, what arose. And, um, you know, this is something that they really put an effort into. They were listening to everyone's um, feedback and trying to, like, get more stuff. They even hired Oprah as a technical consultant for the film which is why she's even on the in the film in the first place. 
And, you know, they changed the name from Maddie to Tiana in 2007 and changed it from Chambermaid to Waitress and then restarted production. Um, so, you know, it's that kind of thing. It happens sometimes, you know. Now, I think <laughs> we'll get into voice casting later. But, you know, they wanted to celebrate Tiana and just, I guess, African-American women in general. So I think when they changed it from chambermaid to waitress, like, what it's trying to say here is, like, they wanted it to be a princess movie for people who don't like princess movies. Which I guess it worked. Like, if you just separated, like, the princess aspect and focused on Tiana as a character... <coughs> minus the frog. <coughs> I feel like we would have gotten, like, a great film there. Like, a girl who's, like, she's almost there. And there's so many setbacks from her getting her restaurant. Especially racism. Um, working jobs. Her family. Like, I mean, they're trying to make a princess. But I feel like that still would have been a meteor plot. I mean, that's kind of what they ended up kind of sort of doing for Cinderella later on. In the two direct-to-DVD films. I mean, the second one, not really. But the third one, you can see that they were trying to, like add more to the story than just oh she was a poor little girl and her some other mean oh boohoo like they tried to make a story so now Anika Noni Rose like I said plays the wickedly talented Tiana um Bruno Campo Crampo I forget his name he played um 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 Naveen and actually, the funny thing is that it was between Jennifer Hudson and Anika Noni Rose to play Tiana. And even, oh no, baby, Alicia Keys wanted to be Tiana. <laughs> Imagine this. <laughs> okay, I need to stop laughing. I'm sure, I'm sure Alicia is um, talented in her own right. I know she's talented in more than just music. But hey, you didn't hear from me. But yes, actually, I was right. I'm reading more articles, and I'm right. It is a 1920s jazz age. You're welcome. And yes, in 2007, um, Rose was, um, uh, Rose was selected to be Tiana. Yay. And then they wanted to go for the old Disney approach. So you can see if they were kind of like developing more of a... Because Tiana, I think, was the first Disney princess after... She was after Mulan, I think. I can't remember. I think it was Mulan that was before her. So she was like the next one on the list. And so they wanted to kind of go back to the beginning, like get a little Bambi in there, get a little Sleeping Beauty. Um, they kind of took a little bit of the CGI from Treasure Planet. So they were really putting in detail. They were making some new computer programs. And I love it when Disney does that. They, like, make new computer programs just to make a movie look and present itself better. Big up to animators. Once again, this is an appreciation piece. Thank your local animator for their service anytime you see them. Because it's honestly amazing. Now, back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Before we start with the lows, let's talk about some highs. <laughs> and there are a lot of highs. Of course, the music was influenced by the location of New Orleans. And after going to New Orleans myself, I felt even more in love with, like, blues and jazz. Oh, my gosh. Into this really good, um, um, well, he was kind of, like, make, doing blues renditions of popular songs. And I was like, 
at first I was like, okay. And then I was like, okay, because I also was like, I don't want too many drinks. But I was also just like, hey, yeah, go off, King. Um, but for those of you who don't know, the score is put together or kind of like handled by Randy Newman. Who, if you've listened to the Toy Story or Monsters, Inc. soundtrack, you can tell that the man is appreciative of that kind of music. That is like his life. You've got a friend of me. Okay, I'll never do that again, I promise. But <laughs> in my original script, there he was a hoe for jazz. But am I wrong? Like, he is. He's a huge fan. Um, But yeah, he has a hardcore love for jazz and blues, so he made sure it was great. And I think my favorite song next to Almost There was Dig a Little Deeper. You gotta dig a little deeper. Ooh. Hey, you gotta dig a little deeper. Okay, I do not remember the words, obviously. But it was just a really nice, like, I don't know, fairy Michigabula bibbidi bobbidi boo song, you know what I mean? Because Mama Odie. Mama Odie is probably my favorite Disney grandma next to Moana's grandma. She is just so full of life, and I love the little candy scene. <laughs> it took me back. You know when your grandparents used to give you that little strawberry candy? Um, any child who's gone through that trauma would know the little nameless strawberry candy. Um, apparently, they sell it at CVS. I don't shop at CVS because um, CVS is very expensive. Um, but yeah, it's just like, oh my gosh, I love Mama Odie. It's not even funny. Oh, so I forgot to mention when I was talking about voice actors. The one voice actor that got me and got me hard was Ray. Ray was played by Jim freaking Cummings. Anyone who does not know Jim Cummings. Oh my God. I like, he was Winnie the Pooh. He was Tigger. He was the Tasmanian devil. Like, this man, the last thing I expected him to be was a bayou firefly. <laughs> like, you you get what I mean? Like, first of all, they couldn't find a, 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 like, I don't know. Who would have been a really good Ray? So, actually, I might do a poll, or if you want, comment down below if you're on SoundCloud. Um, who do you think would have been a good Ray? Because, don't get it twisted, love me some Jim Cummings. But, like, how how do you have Winnie the Pooh voicing this guy? It just baffles me. It baffles me. Anyway, back to the script. Anika was such, as, uh, not even was, is such an amazing songstress. And I still vouches for Tiana when need be. Like, if, for those of you who don't remember, when Wreck-It Ralph 2 came out, um, well, at least the trailer came out, and Tiana's hair um, was like all 3C, and everybody's like, hold up, that's not Tiana's hair. Ah, the mob. And um, Anika went to Disney, and then she was like, y'all better chill the frick out. And they're like, oh, okay, sis, don't worry. We And then they redid all the things with Tiana. Queen, she knows the weight that her character holds, and she wants that respected. And I'm actually, you know, like I said, I'm releasing this on the 10th anniversary of the film because she actually did an interview with Variety reflecting on her role. She realizes that as monumental as this role was, she's still on that pedestal as being the only black princess in the mainstream media. So, the, you know, the plot is very meaty, but she can see how one can get lost in the sauce, you know? Like, 
she understands that this is a big deal to many little girls. Like, <laughs> I don't know if anyone has seen that picture on Twitter of the little girl who's, like, wearing blackface as Tiana. Like, it's all in good faith because she probably loves and respects Tiana. And that's great. That's, I think Disney did a good job when they wanted to show that this character was respected and revered as a princess. It just sucks that she's a Fraggle Hole movie, even though that's, like, the main plot point. Um, they honestly, I feel like they could have done more of their, um, character. So now, about the plot. The middle part where Tiana and Naveen are frogs in the bayou is a lot of hit or miss. Um, some of the scenes move too fast, at least for younger audiences. And I, I know because, you know, I've watched it with my nieces and they can mostly tell me about the scene where that one hunting family is trying to, like, capture them. But... Apart from that, they really just like, oh, pretty music. Oh, Tiana's wearing a dress. Tiana's wearing this. And then when Tiana's a frog, they just ignore the whole movie. And it's so sad that that's the case. Because, I mean, that's what a lot of people remember about the movie. They're like, oh, Tiana was cool, but wasn't she a frog? Tiana was this, but wasn't she a frog? Yeah, Tiana's character design is great. But, you know, the frog is like, it's so sad that... That's what most people can take away from the film. The fact that, yes, she was a frog. Um, and, like, we all get it. It's the plot. But, man, the original princess name was Emma. Y'all couldn't take, like, a, another princess, like, and do that? You had to wait till Tiana was going to come through and be like, hey, I kind of want to be, like, a princess. And then you're like, oh, you know, we haven't done Princess and the Frog yet. Walt wanted to do it years ago. But I'm telling you, how would Walt would have wanted it done? Would he have used Tiana? Anyway, I'm back to reality. Up there goes gravity. Now, I won't even get into how racist some of the reviews were because, you know, that's where the backlash came from. Of course, it was praised for its Disney-esque vibes, but it was also topical because of voodoo, unfortunately. Voodoo is the glue of the story because that's how we get our conflict in the first place. But of course... Can anyone guess why it was such an issue? I'll give you 10 seconds. You got it? I'm going to say it anyway. It's radical Christian groups. If you guessed it, pat yourself on the back and take a shot because you deserve it. If you're legal, that is. <laughs> they are in New Orleans. And I mean, it's kind of their tourism selling point, you know? <laughs> um, But at least, you know... Sorry, let me backtrack. Yeah, it's kind of the tourism selling point, but at least there's a piece holding the story together, you know? It's not like an incoherent plot. There is one review I'd like to point out that's hilariously written, but it shows that you can't please everyone. It's a review by Scott Foundus, I think is his last name, on The Village Voice with an article titled, Disney's Princess and the Frog Can't Escape the Ghetto. Yeah. In this piece, there's clearly a lot going on, but he mentions how there's a lot of bad black character representation, especially from 2009. Now, I can understand how one might see that, especially from a film where the main character is a frog for 85% of the movie. But there's a stark difference between misrepresentation and the lack of representation. What happened in this film was a lack. There are great things to note because, you know, they tried. Um, but not a lot of... Focus, um, not a lot of it was focused on because she was mostly a frog, so the potential focus of culture shifted. Yes, there is erasure, but anyone who knows Disney, you know, they like to focus on the more appealing side than being historically accurate. 
For example, Pocahontas. That's a great example of romanticizing something so horrible. Now, they can be when it's something they care very much about. And they did care-ish about the movie, but not as much to be, you know, politically correct. All I know is that this was a promising start to a wave of movies to come. You know, at least or so we thought. <laughs> We've come a long way when it comes to representation in movies. And I think this movie was a great pioneer in causing that ripple. So, today we appreciate um, Tiana and the Disney team for their efforts in trying to make a story um, timeless. And I think they really did because I look back and watch Prince and the Frog and even though my nieces don't want to watch them and I forced them to watch it, we, we enjoy it and they see Tiana and they see themselves and it's so amazing and beautiful. They still would rather want to be Snow White, but, you know, goes to show, we still have a long way to go when it comes to animation and diverse leads. So, on that note, I would like to thank you for joining me. Um, I was doing a lot of rambling because my brain is all over the place. But, you know, it's one of those weeks. We haven't had a time to have a sh uh, chat sesh. So maybe one day I'll do a live on my Instagram, which again is A-C-C-E-S-S-D-A-N-I-E-D-D -D -D on Instagram. Um, also, I have a fake dog that has um, an Instagram. Maybe I'll publish it later, but it's not that important. I just do it because I'm bored. Anywho, thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed it, leave a like and subscribe. If you didn't, leave a like and subscribe and maybe tell me to go to hell or something. You know, typical comments. And I'll see you guys next time for the next episode in our limited series, Diversity in Animation.